petition for your heart series last Sunday when we talked about the subject of mammon or earthly stuff. And this morning we're going to be at Isaiah 14 where we look at pride, the sin that causes every other sin. And immediately in the reading you'll see that it's the most satanic of all sins. So Isaiah 14 verse number 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? And we're going to stop our reading there. Let's pray. Father, would you work now in our hearts today? We thank you again for all the families who are here and what a wonderful host of, of babies and Young people are here at Centennial, and yet we know that even these young kids, as they grow, will face pride, and that each of us, no matter what age we are, face pride in our lives every day. And so I pray that you would grant in this message today a time where we would focus on this topic and focus on you, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Yeah, talking about pride, what a fun topic here for the morning. Not, not one that we really like to discuss a whole lot, unless we're talking about someone else's pride, of course. Every struggle, every fight that's ever happened was caused by one thing, pride. In fact, Proverbs 13.10 says it this way, Only by pride cometh contention. That's fairly plain, isn't it? Only by pride cometh contention. And as these babies begin to process things and they go into the nursery and they begin to crawl and they begin to walk, did you know what one of the first words is that they usually learn, even though mother has been trying to get them to say mama for a whole year? Like right when when they're born, mom starts looking at their face and saying, say mommy, say mommy. Right? And mothers and grandmothers, you know what they do? She said, Mommy. No, she didn't say, Mommy. She said, Right? And our little girl, Autumn, told us that Sophie said, Hi, the other day. She didn't say, Hi. She said, Ah! All right? So, So we began to process, Oh, they're saying this, and oh, they're saying this. But you know the actual first word they usually learn to say, and they say it quite well? Mine! Mine! Now, why would they say mine? Pride. The human heart, at a very early age, has pride. And it begins to be exhibited, and it begins to show itself. Every argument you've ever had in your life was caused by the fact that a person or persons didn't get what they felt they deserved. Now, whether that emotion was based on fact or fiction, the argument was caused 
because somebody didn't get what somebody wanted. Why does it make us angry when we don't get what we want? Here's why. Because we think we deserve it. Why do we think we deserve it? Well, to put it bluntly, pride. Pride builds the false impression smack dab in the middle of our hearts that we are better than we really are. Foolish pride causes us to forget exactly who we are without the wonderful grace of Jesus in our lives. Only self-deceit can make us think that we're something when we're actually nothing. And uh, so here's the question to kind of get to it in the message today. Where does this competitor from my heart and your heart come from? The passage before us this morning shows us that it initially comes from two words. If you look back in the passage, what are the first two words that Lucifer says here in the passage? They're in verse 13. I will. I will. And then he says those words four times. So these two words, I will, are the beginning of pride. Those are the origin of pride. And notice in verse 13, those words aren't even said out loud. Look what it says. For thou hast said in thine heart. They're not even said out loud. They're whispered in the heart. I'm sure you are familiar with heart whispering. Things that we tell only ourselves, right? That guy is such a moron. What in the world is he doing? Hey, good to see you today. God bless you. Thank you. Or we get out of the car and we're angry at our wife. Hi, good morning. Good Sunday morning to you. We have heart murmurings that take place. And if they take place long enough in our hearts, then they begin to take place out loud. And so Lucifer had some heart murmurings here, just saying these things in his heart. Um, No one's ever going to know those things in our heart, but the thing is, God does know them. And he tells us that they show the very depravity of our sinful hearts. His word also tells us that these heart murmurings always lead to somewhere. They aren't isolated incidents. Have you ever heard somebody say, I can't believe I did that. That's completely out of my character. Right? You ever heard a football player say that? I can't believe I did that in that game. That's not my character. That's not who I am. Well, who did it? Who said it? Who went there? You did. So it's not outside of your character. It's right within your character. And pride is one of the ones that we like to say, Oh, I just had a mistake that happened. You ever heard people talk about their mistakes? Sin's not really a word in the modern vernacular that we use, except in church. But we use mistake a lot. Oh, I just kind of messed up. I made a mistake. You know, there are people who actually buy plane tickets to go and make a mistake. There are people who plan ahead to make a mistake. Doesn't seem much like a mistake, does it? It's actually called sin. And it comes from this degenerate thought that we see here, which is pride. Not an isolated incident. It's a point on a path. 
And we're going to walk through the path of pride this morning, visiting four stops along the way. I'd encourage you to follow along in your notes. They're in your bulletin if you'd like to. And let's start with this first, I will. I will ascend into heaven. First thing we talk about is location. I will ascend into heaven. That's the first thought that Lucifer had. I'm sure you know this. Not something we think about it very often, maybe. But you didn't get to choose the location of your birth. You had no choice in the matter. And yet, sometimes we kind of celebrate the fact that we're born in a certain place. Right? Now, how many of you are proud you're born in Idaho? Right here. Yeah? Surprised they didn't hear any hoops and hollers. How many of you are ashamed you're born in Idaho? Yeah. Um, but, but we say, boy, we chant, USA, USA. Why are we so excited about the USA? Because we were born here. Right? And we don't really need Vladimir Putin to tell us that we're not exceptional people. Moron. <laughs> oh, did I say that? That was completely outside of my character. That was a heart murmur. I didn't mean to get it out. Sorry. America's not exceptional because of me or you. America's exceptional because it was founded on God. America is an exceptional nation because we are free under God. Period. It's not because of us. It's not because of George Washington or Benjamin Franklin or Patrick Henry or Nathan Hale or Abraham Lincoln. It's because we had the freedom to worship God and to found our nation on Him. Vlad. And maybe the people in Washington should figure that out too because you're not exceptional from your birthplace. You're exceptional from your Creator. See, so this whole location thing begins to factor in. I will ascend into heaven. So you didn't choose where you were born. You know what else you didn't choose? You didn't choose whose DNA you received. Pretty obvious, right? That's why you stand in the mirror and say, I hate my nose. I have such big ears. I got my hips from my grandmother. Right? In our family, it's the bags under your eyes. You never see it because I wear glasses. I got these huge bags under my eyes. Not from this grandmother. She had great DNA. But on my other side of the family, we've got Bertram bags, we call them, that go under our eyes. And you have something in your family too, right? It's your DNA. It came from somewhere and you didn't choose it. Why is that? Here's why. You're not self-made. You have a creator. And that creator has a will for you. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is God's will for you to repent of pride and receive eternal life. That's why he sent his only son to die on a wooden cross. Remember the two words of pride? I will. Not my Creator's will, but my will. I will. I will ascend into heaven. I'm good enough. I deserve to be there. How about a reality check? Tickets to heaven can only be given by the Creator. 
They may not be gained by any achievement. They cannot be earned through any contest. They're not an entitlement owed to any created being. Just like us, the angels are created beings. None of them are self-made, including old smutty-faced Lucifer. And I promise you this morning, his presence in heaven was a gift. How did he get there? Only by the Creator. So his words were audacious pride. But please note something else. They were self-deception. He was lying to himself about his origin. He was only there in the first place because of God. And so let's start where you came from today, location. You know where you came from? You came from a sinful mother and a sinful father. The basic premise of your existence is this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even these beautiful little babies who are up here this morning are already sinners by nature. And some of them by choice. Yeah. About one o'clock this morning, somebody made the choice to scream her lungs out. I went in, and because I get up like once in a blue moon to do anything with the baby, my wife's back there going like this. I went in, and she wouldn't take the pacifier. She spat it at me like it was a bad thing. I picked her up. She arched her back. You know why? I didn't have what she wanted. Pretty obvious, right? I went back in. I can't believe her trying to get this baby to go to sleep. Saturday night, tomorrow's Sunday. These are all heart murmurings. I didn't say them out loud. I don't know why I said them out loud now. I'm going to be in big trouble. But, um, but my wife said, we've got to train her not to wake up in the middle of the night just so that she can see mommy for a minute and then go back to sleep. She's already got enough food in her belly. You know what that little girl was doing in her crib at 1 o'clock this morning as she screamed? She was lying. She was lying to us. You know where her lie came from? came from pride. See, pride is on location all the time. You know what it says? I am the most important person on the planet. It's a location thing. I'm the most important person in the room. And so, I will ascend. Now, let's look at the next one. I will exalt my throne Above the stars of God. This is a promotion issue. Lucifer was going to proclaim himself as the highest star. And by star, we mean the highest angel in the universe. Pride doesn't just cause someone to feel entitled to heaven. It also makes him elevate his own status. I will exalt myself because I am. And it's all self-promotion. Self-promotion might seem like a useful tool in the short term, but it ultimately leads to disgrace. You can Facebook and Twitter your way with this illusion only so far. Eventually, you come face to face with the one who knows the deepest parts of your soul. The Bible says that it is deception that we put on. It's a front that we put on. And as a society, we're pretty good about it. I read an article the other day, though, that said 
that the Facebook generation is the most depressed generation in centuries. You know why that is? Because when we put something up on our wall, if not enough people like it, we can get depressed. Or if we put something on our wall that we think is all that, and not enough people, I don't even know all the terms, but a lot of enough people promoted or forwarded or whatever it's called, then we could get to a point where we are physically depressed. And that's happening to teenagers all across America. And 20-somethings. And 52-year-olds. Who are still trying to make sure everybody knows they're good enough for life. We have a lot of identity issues going on that are tied to self-promotion. Got to get ourselves out there. And so the God who knows the deepest parts of our soul says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. God has never been tricked. God has never bought into the games we play with image. He intimately knows the real me and the real you. You know, I, I read in Philippians that Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. He constantly, through his life on this earth, downplayed his own merits and his own identity to promote his Father. So let me ask you a basic question here this morning. Who is your life currently promoting? Who is your life currently promoting? Are you all about promoting your Heavenly Father? Or are you all about promoting you? Please, everyone, notice how smart I am, how brave I am, how pretty I am, what a great athlete I am, what a great thinker I am, or business person, or what a great giver I am. Or can you imagine there's even pride in this statement? Please notice what a great servant I am. You know, there could even be pride in that. We want to be noticed. Pride says, hey, exalt me. Don't you see how special I am? Not realizing that everything that we have that's special came from somewhere else. 1 Corinthians 4.7 is this great verse to me for gratitude. Here's what it says. What do you have that you did not receive? Think about that. And then it says, and if you received it, why are you glorying like you didn't receive it? It's a gift. I'm paraphrasing the verse. Read the verse sometime. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. It's just three questions. Who made you different from somebody else? Why is it that because you're different from somebody else that you feel special? You feel like you should be promoted. It's because of basic Pride. And pride is such a difficult heart competitor because it's deceptive. It makes us think that we don't have any problem with pride, when in fact it could be our greatest issue. And this is where the term false humility strikes. You ever heard of false humility? It's, it's a crazy one. You hear people say things like this, No one would ever like me. I'm just not pretty enough. You know what that person wants you to say? Oh, yes, you are. Right? Or here's, 
guys, can I clue you in? Just because I've been a husband for 19 years, I've kind of figured this one out. If your wife ever comes in a room and says, I'm not sure that I look very good in this outfit. You know what that is? That's false humility. She does not intend for you to agree with her. Right? If you at that moment say, I think you're right, you may be in big trouble. I know, hopefully you figure that one out, but you know what she's shopping for? She's shopping for you to say, oh no, honey, you look beautiful in that outfit, and I wish I would have noticed before you had to say something. It's false humility. I'm not smart like the other kids. I'm not as good of an athlete as somebody else. I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I don't know if anybody's ever said that. I'm not thin enough, right? And there's all these, Robbie, don't you be laughing about that one just because you're six foot eight? It's not right. Um, we, we say all these things. I'm not enough of this. Huh? And it's false humility. And please uh, don't get mad at me here, but did you catch the theme of the conversation? It's me. Whether or not you're talking yourself up or you're putting yourself down, if the theme of the conversation is me, 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 then it's obviously not God. And if the theme of the conversation is me, I'm not promoting him. I'm seeking to promote myself. Now this is painful, isn't it? Proverbs 3.35 says, The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. Proverbs 27.2 let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. How about the words of Jesus in Luke fourteen eleven? For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And so Lucifer said, I will exalt my throne. But there's a third one, Isaiah 14. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. And here we see position. Position. Go to the 48th Psalm, if you would, for just a second. The 48th Psalm. Look at this in verse number 1, the 48th Psalm. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God and the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. You notice here the position of Jehovah God in this text. He is at the highest point of the Mount of Holiness. There's nobody higher. He's located in the sides of the north. And lo and behold, where the created being, Lucifer, has decided that he wills to be. Here's the thought process. If I get to that position, then I'm in charge. If I'm called by that title, then I've reached the top. Think of your industry. And people who think, boy, if I get to that office, I'm the big dog. If I get to that level, I'm in charge. If I get to that place, I don't have to answer to anyone. See, pride desires to be on top of the world. 
later in the scripture as we find the account of the temptations of Christ by this very created being, Lucifer. By the way, don't you think the devil just hates being reminded that he's a created being? He just hates it. That's why I keep saying it this morning. He hates being reminded he's a created being. By the way, so do atheists and liberal progressive humanists. They would rather be considered accidental blobs of goo than to be reminded they're created beings. Seriously, there are people on the planet today who celebrate the fact that they are mutations. That they're particles that exploded in the universe that somehow came together. I almost said miraculously, that would have been a faux pas. They don't believe in miracles. They don't believe they're created beings. They accidentally got here. What purpose they have in life. You know, we're created beings. We have a God. Paul said to the Romans in Romans 9, Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? We don't really have much to say about our Creator, do we? Except praise and worship. But as I was saying about the temptations, when Lucifer tempted Jesus, remember the last temptation? The devil, it says, took him up into exceeding high mountain, where he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And you see, the ultimate end of pride is that you think you're doing God a favor. Jesus, I will give you my position. Isn't that so kind of us? Sometimes we paint this picture like Jesus needs us to serve Him. And pastors, we get up and we say, oh, if you people would just give your lives to God and you would serve Him, you could make a difference in the kingdom. As if anything depends on us. Can I please tell you in a graceful way that if you did not exist on the planet, God would still be God? If we were ten atheists short on the planet, God would still be God. If we were one Lucifer short, God would still be God. God is the ultimate, He's the highest. There's nobody even close. And yet we buy into these thought processes. God is eternally going to hold His rightful position. There's none like Him. There is no comparison to Him. But pride tries to claim a seat on the mountain of God. Flip over to Matthew 23 in the New Testament. Matthew 23. And this is a passage that you should be familiar with. You really should. Jesus spoke this to a group called the Pharisees. Matthew 23, look at verse number 2. Saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Verse number 5. But all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. And love the uppermost rooms at feasts and chief seats in the synagogues. And greetings in the market. And to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. See, the Pharisees, they love the upper rooms at feasts 
The ones where the nameplates were. They loved to have the chief seat in the synagogues where all the people looked at them to see how they were responding to the reading of the scroll. And they thought that these things somehow gave them the positions they so coveted. They wanted to be called rabbi or master teacher. If somebody calls me that title, then I surely must be important. Self-deceit led these blind guides, that's what Jesus called them, to be like their father. Jesus talked about Lucifer in John 8, 44, and he didn't mince words. You know what he said? You're of your father, the devil. That's what he said to the Pharisees. You're of your father, the devil, and the less of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Lucifer's pride brought on self-deceit. And once he had deceived himself, the whole world was fair, fair game. Please don't think that I'm underestimating the power of the devil. I know that he transforms himself into an angel of light. I know he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I know he's the accuser of the brethren. I know that he shoots fiery darts at the saints of God. But I also know this. God could destroy him at any moment he so desired. Lucifer is a created being. Revelation 20 says that one day he will be chained by another angel and cast into a bottomless pit. And I love the word picture in that. Here's this angel who thinks he's at the very top. And not God, but another angel is going to come and chain him up. Lucifer, you certainly don't belong on the top of the mountain of God. He's going to be cast down. To become a child of God, you have to set aside the pride of position. See, the only position we really have is one called sinner. That's what we really are. Go from Matthew over to Luke chapter 18. I just want to show you this quickly. I quoted a verse from here earlier. And I want to show you the context of it for just a second here. Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> this is a parable that Jesus spoke once again to show the difference between the Pharisees who are full of pride and those who would be humble. Luke 18, verse 9, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. They were righteous and despised others, so they had the sin of pride. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, can you imagine coming to church and your first thought is to say, God, I thank you I'm not like that guy over there. God, I thank you that I'm not like that person at the back of the room. Wow. Pretty audacious. Look what he says. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So boy, he had everything figured out. Verse 13, and the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. If you think that you have any position other than sinner, you cannot become a child of God. Before Jesus can save you, you have to realize you're lost. Before Jesus can heal you, you've got to realize you're blind. So you have to set aside every position and every thought process of, well, I did this, and I went there, and I saw this. Give your heart to God. Let's see this last one. If you would, go back to Isaiah 14 as we finish this up. And this is the most dangerous one possible. Look at Isaiah 14. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation of the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Now look at this last one in verse 14. I will be like the most high. The most dangerous role for anyone to claim is God of his own life. Obviously, as Christ followers, we know where that story ends, right? At the end of Pride Road, the Bible says, is destruction. But the stop just before it is deification, where a soul attempts to become his own God. And we know this. We're aware of the verses that talk about pride. But that knowledge alone won't protect us from pride. In fact, we all face the temptation to leave God out of His rightful place and to insert self. Let's finish up in the book of Ezekiel this morning, chapter 28. And it may seem like a weird place, but once you get there, I think you're going to see why. Ezekiel chapter 28. This is a prophecy against the king of Tyre, T-Y-R-E. And you're going to see quickly that it's either Satan himself or one of his henchmen that God is talking to. Ezekiel, chapter 28. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man and not God. Though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Now, look at verse 6 because it repeats this phrase. Because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God. We find out later, verse 13, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, gold. And uh, we understand this, the anointed cherub. So, most theologians would say that this is Lucifer himself. He was in the Garden of Eden. And his crime, it's pretty obvious. He said, my heart is going to be like the heart of God. I am going to become God. Can I tell you that on this earth and in eternity... Not one of us will ever become God. It's not going to happen. You may have friends who think that they had a soul that came from another planet and that they're gods and they can bring other people to be gods, but it's never found in the Word of God. Not in there. 
There may be some other books that were invented to kind of phrase that around and make it seem that way, but the God of the Bible says He is supreme, that there's no one like Him, no one can compare to Him, and no one will ever be like Him, including us. And the great temptation we face with pride is to take the reins of our own lives and say, I'm in charge. And when we do that, this, you're going to hate this, but we become just like Lucifer. We become the devil himself. And we sabotage our own lives when we try to make our heart as the heart of God. Friend, when you die, you won't die as God or even a God. You will die as a soul that will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. And here's my question as I close. Is pride going to send you to eternal death? Is pride going to keep you from God's will because you keep saying, I will? I urge you today to set aside your pride and say to God, not my will, but thine be done. God, perform your will in me. Here's the difference between Lucifer and Jesus. By the way, they were never brothers. Jesus was always God from eternity past. Lucifer said, I will. You know what Jesus said? Not my will, but thine be done. If I could put the whole message in one sentence, that's what it is. What are you saying in your heart today? Are you saying, I will? Or are you saying, not my will, God? Not about me. Not my call. Not my role. Not my location. I need you. I hope that's what you're saying. Let's bow in prayer. As we bow today, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I'm asking you right now in your heart to say this. God, if I have pride, would you please show it to me and help me to surrender it today? Not later this week. Not if I feel like it next week. Help me to surrender my pride today and to come to a place where I say, not my will, but thine be done. Just as we close in prayer, if you're here without Jesus Christ this morning, on your way out today, if you just take my hand and say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life, I will send one of our trained counselors to a private room to show you how you can know Jesus as your Savior. Christian, would you say, not my will? Our Father in heaven, we thank you today for everything we've seen and heard. We thank you again for these babies and these families. But I pray that each of us in our hearts today would come down to the decision of who will run our lives. Is it going to be me or is it going to be God? Is it going to be what I will or what God wills for me? Help us to surrender, to yield our lives, to follow you. And as pride continues to be a competitor for our heart and attack us day after day, I pray that we would die to self, that we would surrender to you. 
We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Hope to see you this evening at 5.